We're starting this episode off just a little bit differently. This is the audio from the trailer for the immersive show, Broken Bone Bathtub, created by Siobhan O'Loughlin. After five years of performances from Japan to Australia, from the UK to LA, Broken Bone Bathtub is on its final tour. How does a person recover after trauma? What is the pathway to healing after physical or emotional injury? Is it faith? Is it the kindness of a loved one or a person who is close to you? Is it the acceptance and resignation that we are actually alone? Does it come after we've read enough books and taken enough advice? Is it witnessing someone in our own spheres who does something that we admire? Is it when we admit that we don't have any heroes and the world is a mostly horrible place? Do we find it after we've been held long enough, selflessly, by another person? Is it the moment in which you just let yourself cry? And I have one more question. Can I borrow your bathtub? It is about my bike accident. I broke my hand. I didn't have a bathtub and I didn't want to ruin my cast. When things happen to you, when bad things happen, hopefully you've got some friends in your life who say, hey, what do you need? And that can be a hard question to answer. What do I need or how can you help? I'm in the tub in my cast and I'm treating the audience, uh, cast them as my close friends that I had in New York. It's awkward and it's funny and it's kind and it's gentle and it's all these things. I think immersive theater is really capable of creating that kind of human experience that you would never have in your lives together (laughs) otherwise. And then she stopped and she looked around in this room, it was six of us, and she said, I have never said that out loud. (laughs) Hi, I'm Nathaniel Skye, the host of the Immersion Nation podcast. Here, the masters of immersive experience create and conjure, muse and imagine the cultural revolution that is unfolding before us. That is immersive entertainment. Welcome. Now this is where things change. One small group of people, one small room, one unexpectedly vulnerable interaction at a time. And it's not easy. It's hard just to be present, let alone open up to strangers. And this is where Shaban comes in. Someone who can take something serious and turn it into laughter. Someone who can take something that is so hard to explain, a performance in a bathroom, and not leave you feeling like it makes sense, but like it's the only thing that makes sense. Shaban has crafted and refined and created something in Broken Bone Bathtub that redefines what immersive entertainment can be. Siobhan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, Sky. Of course, of course. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, So I know that you've been performing Broken Bone Bathtub for, what, four years now? Five years? Yeah, in April, it will be five. So it's a strong, we're on the other side of four and a half. (laughs) Wow, wow. (laughs) So uh, it seems like it's almost a bit of a historical moment insofar as you coming to the end of um, 
your consistent performances of the show anyway. Uh, Correct. Moment in in the timeline of immersive uh, immersive theater, especially one on one format immersive theater. But I I have so so many questions. Uh, before we jump into those though. I, I'm curious, you spend so much time kind of articulating certain kinds of magic in the real world. Is there any fictional world that you would want to live in for a while or spend some time in? Uh, in the context of my life or in the, in the piece? In the context of your life and <laughs> just what you're drawn to, if there's any particular ethos or fictional what have you that you find yourself drawn to in, in whatever way. Um, gosh, that is such a unique question that I've never, uh, I don't think anyone's ever asked me anything like that. I, um, you know, uh, a big part of my life is, um, is activism and, and spending, putting a lot of my efforts and energy into, uh, some social justice and kind of electoral things. And, uh, so I think sometimes that my, my fictional, the place I'd like to lean in is a, <laughs> that I'd like to imagine myself in is a place, uh, that, um, it, I guess in a broad, in a very broad sense that kind of keeps it on the, the theme of this conversation. And part of what I do with my, uh, you know, advocacy is, um, is a world where, uh, I, <laughs> I think life could be easier and uh, more supportive for uh, artists to um, to thrive, where we don't have to uh, pound the pavement quite so hard because there isn't financial support or um, community or um, you know uh, federal support that backs our work and that um, keeps us in the landscape of what is required of what is not required, but what is important for keeping our um, communities strong. Um, so that's the world I want to live in. <laughs> I don't think we're really there, but uh, that's something that I'm, that uh, that's something that I keep in the heart of, of what I do and uh, that I'm working towards um, not being fiction uh, someday for me. Yeah, most definitely. I don't know if that um, answers your question. No, most definitely. I, I want to live in that world too. I definitely want to live in that world too. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, do you feel like we're getting there though? I feel like there are like, things like Patreon and just various other avenues for that have been created recently that allow and kind of almost normalize the idea of people really supporting those that are creating the art that both impacts them and shares the kind of understanding that they would also like to be shared with other people. Do you feel like there's progress being made there or is there still quite a ways? I think, I guess for me, I feel like there still is quite a ways. I'm, I'm on Patreon, uh, which is awesome. I've only recently got on it actually. And I've had some pretty good, um, for considering how much I have like tried to put it out there and hustle it, which I haven't really, I do have some, I think fairly pretty significant support for an individual artist on it. Um, but I would have to be making like triple what I'm making for it to be my income, you know, my very steady income. Uh, and that, I think that I, th I think that there's a lot of, um, struggles uh, amongst artists who don't, 
have money and then have a hard time supporting each other. And that we're kind of like leaning on other folks and other who live and work in other realms to support us, which is good and maybe how it needs to be, but it's hard to, um, I, I'm not sure that folks in these other industries or orbits actually necessarily have a grasp on why that is important and how hard it is for, um, for us, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is why I'm, I'm, uh, I'm making this documentary about uh, Broken Bone Bathtub and about the independent artist experience, because I want to, um, I, I want to highlight what the journey is, everything beyond what, you know, this, what a delightful little show is, but then like outside of that, there's so much other work and hustle that, um, that, that, that we all <laughs> have, uh, that keeps us up. So I think, um, I think that Patreon and I think that having sponsors and donors and things like that are great, but, uh, it's also, um, I think that like, you know, federal, like legislative, like support is, uh, is, is going to have to be necessary. And in some ways we can see some of that changing as our, our politics are getting more progressive, um, in general, as we understand what socialized, <laughs> itemization means for, um, the, the individual and, and how that benefits the whole, you know? So, uh, I think it depends on the day, you know, when we talk about these things, do we feel like there's progress? Do we feel like we're going backwards? Um, I, I, I maintain hope because, uh, I'm all, you know, you gotta, <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Right? Oh, you gotta keep going. So yeah. 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 And I mean, yeah. There is definitely a ways to go until the the degree to which art is an incredibly vital social utility, I think, is fully realized and recognized. Um, exactly right. Yes. Yeah, I like I like the idea of it being something that is actually supported by governmental structure because that like come i mean just inside of my previous question there like the line of thinking is oftentimes just like okay so this is still completely on the artist and really it is a matter of having it being socially supported through through the systems that we have to recognize the importance of things that we want and need in our respective communities and our lives in general mhm yes um yep. Yeah. So before we get too far, um, for those who might not know, just in short, what is Broken Bone Bathtub? Absolutely. So that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's fun. I've been uh, I've interviewed quite a few people uh, over the past seven weeks for the documentary to answer that question for me. And <laughs> Um, but Broken Bone Bathtub is an uh, immersive theater uh, experience um, that happens uh, most often in a bathtub in uh, people's homes. Sometimes uh, in Madison, uh, later this month, I'll be in a hotel room bathtub. I've been in uh, I've been in a variety of iterations of where that bathtub takes place, but most often it is it's in someone's home and it's for an audience of however many people can fit. So, um, that can be, that ranges from five people, um, in New York city on a third 
you know, third story, uh, three story walk up uh, on Avenue C to a backyard in Canberra, Australia with 40 people uh, surrounding the tub. So um, it is about my bike accident that I had in New York City in 2014, where I broke my hand and I had to wear a cast, um, an ar- a long arm cast. And I began to borrow my friends' bathtubs to take a bath because I did not have one of my own in my Bushwick loft apartment. And when things happen to you, when bad things happen, hopefully you've got some friends in your life who say, hey, what do you need? Uh, And that can be a hard question to answer. What do I need or how can you help? So I ended up asking if I can borrow your tub. And um, I did it because I didn't have a bathtub and I didn't want to ruin my cast. And that's the straightforward answer, but this, uh, or that's a straightforward reason, I guess. But, um, with this piece, I've been exploring, uh, why that is the thing that I asked for, which I think is to, um, uh, because I needed some human connection and, uh, contact and, um, love when I was, uh, when I was feeling really down. And so with this, uh, with this show, with this piece, I'm, um, I'm in the tub uh, in my cast and I'm treating the audience, uh, I've cast them as my close friends that I had in New York who are helping me through this experience and telling them about what happened to me and um, asking them things uh, about them. So it be, it's, it's a pretty interactive experience where uh, we are, um, <laughs> we really explore some of these themes of, uh, of pain and isolation and, physical trauma and emotional trauma, which sounds really heavy, but it's actually quite a light hearted (laughs) approach to these themes because it's a strange space with a small group of people huddled together in a bathroom where we're all kind of close to each other. Um, and that, uh, puts us in a very, uh, particular mode for, uh, for this event to transpire. So that is, uh, that's what it is. And what it is, is in a different home every night here in Chicago, we're doing a big house tour. So we're every night is a different uh, location and, uh, every, with every location, with every group of people, it's a very different, uh, it's a very different show. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine, especially it being something that is interactive, um, and also having very variable audience sizes. Right. That's right. I cannot even imagine. Um, So from that line of thinking, actually, like having having that being the context of the show, like I think it's kind of a fundamental rule of communication, almost for lack of better language, um, that oftentimes dis like being vulnerable yourself lets Mm -hmm. other people be vulnerable as well. And. I think that in many ways that is kind of what the what the context of the show enables. Um, how how do you what was your line of thinking in going into performing something coming from a place of such vulnerability? Um, do you mean like how did I feel about it or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I. I didn't really know what I was in for. I, so the, the structure of the, of the play, the writing in it, the script, uh, comes from my journal entries during my 
time during my accident and my time. Oh, wow. in yeah. Yeah. And so initially I didn't really know what it was going to be. I knew it had to take place in a bathtub. I knew that I had this kind of script that I'd sort of worked out. The audience would be helping me with a bath. Um, so the audience does do that. They do give me a bath. And, um, I, I wasn't sure I, I threw it up. I was in, it's a long story, but I premiered this in Tokyo <laughs> for an oh, audience. Yeah. For an audience of four people at a time sold out with a Japanese production company actually, who was willing to work with me. I had a residency in Manila in the Philippines and I figured I would go visit my pen pal in Japan that I've had since I was 13. And then I figured I should meet some artists. And then I thought, well, maybe some artists want to work on this new thing with me. And they did. So we had subtitles projected above my head and, uh, it, you know, it was a, it was intended to be 30 minute monologue. This was before I ever considered myself to be an, uh, experimental theater artist. I was a storyteller. I had solo shows that I would put up on stage and I would play characters that I'd interviewed and that I'd written and things like that, um, which I loved very much to do. I love solo performance. It's my favorite. So, which interestingly, I, I can talk later if you want to about, uh, you know, the crossover and the transition, I think, from folks who love solo performance, who also, I think, would or should love immersive theater, um, as I am that person uh, who made that transition. So initially, it's supposed to be a solo performance that just happens to take place in a bathtub, right? That's more environmental theater or site-specific, because site-specific isn't immersive necessarily, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Right. And so what I found uh, when I began to perform for these, you know, and of course, I think, if you can swing it, like experimenting with something in Tokyo is awesome because those audiences are very primed for some weird shit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was surprised because I found them to be extremely interested and tuned in and wanting to engage with me. And they were also so very, very close to me, like right up against the tub, which of course I knew would be the case, but was wild was a wild experience for me as a performer. I've never done something so intimate before and I don't have any clothes on and I'm in my, you know, I've got my bubble bath and it was, uh, arresting for me to experience audience in, especially in a place like Tokyo where it's like, I don't have groups of friends coming to this. These are all strangers coming to see my, my first, you know, prototype essentially of this piece. Um, but it was such an incredible experience for me because I got to have that, uh, I, I got to be around uh, audience members who were so extremely engaged that when I then took it um, a few months later to LA, and this is the, now the summer of 2015, where I met Noah Nelson from No Proscenium uh, and some other cool immersive artists in, uh, in Los Angeles, then it sort of became, I was able to experiment and, and give people prompts and kind of see what happens when I engage with the audience more and stretch this out into an hour long show and where, uh, the, the entire experience transitioned. And so, um, so it just, it was just sort of a natural way of, of going through, you know, my, this was my, this is my accident. This is the piece I want to, I want to write about my accident, which takes place in a tub because that's where I was going to for love and support in the bathtub. And, um, then it, then it's, it naturally evolved into an immersive piece of theater, which is 
you know, where, uh, where it was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. And out of curiosity, you're like, insofar as the differences between, um, the audiences in Japan and LA and am I right in saying you performed in a multitude of other countries as well? Uh, Australia, Ireland, and England. And we, we have to differentiate because the Irish and the English, you know, those are two different, that's two different cultures right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yes. So, so yeah, so that's a, so that's a five all in all, uh, with a few more possibly coming, but it's, that's a whole, you know, the translations is, is a, is a whole other thing, but you know, I think that, yes, it's really fun to kind of observe a cultural study, of how to approach these audiences. Um, I think the Irish example is really strong because um, the Irish are very loving people, but uh, the way to their heart is sarcasm (laughs) (laughs) and and a sort of biting humor. I speak this as an Irish American. Uh, I know this to be true. So I found that working with Irish audiences where they're all like, oh God, we have to go to confession now. We've said too much. You know, even those who are not religious are like, whoa, what have I just, <laughs> what have I just done? Um, I found that, you know, the more I could tease them and and sort of play with them and joke with them, the more they softened and warmed up to me. Um, and I think that, you know, seeing how that works in, in different cultures where humor is a great way to actually process um, strong emotions and, and healing and, uh, a way to open up the valves to discuss your, your, what you've been through, um, through humor and sarcasm and being facetious and playful with each other was something that I found to be really strong with an Irish audience, as opposed to an Australian audience who I think for whatever reason, and people might argue with me about this, but I found Australian audiences to have a, a much easier access to their sensitivity and to their personal, to sharing some of their personal truths, um, in a space, uh, that kind of evolved that way where I, I don't think I would be so, um, facetious with, I, and I wasn't, uh, with them as I was with an Irish group. And you find that as you're kind of going and you find that to be different from city to city, right? The Midwest versus the South, like, come on, East coast and the West coast, you know, there's different there's different kinds of, uh, there's a lot of different cultures there and ways I think that people feel uh, comfortable talking to each other. So you have to kind of, you kind of meet them um, where they're at and you learn about that through the performance. You know, I mean, everything is like you, you go in, I mean, I don't even see the bathrooms until I show up. Right. So I go in and I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to put the seats like this. We're going to do it we're going to configure the space like this. I'll throw up some fairy lights. I've got some tea lights and candles and uh, let's do it. And then, um, you know, through, through the performance, then you, you meet people and you, and you learn about them and, and, and how to, how to interact in a, in a welcoming uh, way, I guess, if if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. So there's a, there's a, dynamic of improv to some degree for every show before it even gets going. Yes. And I think improvisation is a great skill for immersive artists to have or to, or muscle to flex or, you know, something to, to work on. Cause I think it requires so much of that being able to, I mean, depending on the piece, I guess. Right. But work with, but 
to, to share the space with your audience, you have to be able to kind of bend to bend to them, you know, um, to, to make them comfortable and happy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, and I, again, I can't even imagine learning that process across, across so many different cultural variations and different languages for that matter. Um, do you feel like there was like, there was a significant difference, um, between performing in Japan where you had to work through the medium of translation versus, um, you know, performing in English where everybody is speaking the same language and there's not necessarily a delay or any kind of mediation there. Yeah. Well, here's what I found to be so, um, awesome about the Japanese audience was that they were reading the subtitles and also looking at me. Like I never felt like I was losing eye contact with them. Like I was losing, like I was losing them, you know, uh, because of the subtitles. And that was such a cool experience that I, I couldn't have really, I couldn't have known what was going to happen. I had never done the show before anyway. So I didn't know how personal I was going to feel. I didn't know how much I would want them to feel present with me like that. Um, but they were really um, primed, I think, for something close. Um, again, we're talking about cultural things. Right. So in, in Japan, um, touching is not so much of a thing. Also similar with uh, English people. English people don't really want all those hugs that Americans, apparently Americans are known for like touching you. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a physically affectionate person. So I do hug people. And I had like Japanese friends that were like, don't touch them. Don't touch Japanese people. They don't like it. <laughs> don't do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so it's very interesting then to have a piece where that requires, uh, my hair wash, uh, my back to be scrubbed, my hands to be massaged. And so there's this, this, this physical contact that they were, you know, with, uh, with Americans, you know, especially on like the, like on the West coast, they're like, Oh yeah, let me, let me get in here and like scrub your back as much as you need, whatever. Right. Um, that's, that's like nothing for them. But, uh, in, in Japan, it's, there's this, there's kind of this hesitation. There's this sort of nervousness, um, that's like, should I do, should I do that? Do I want to do that? But that is juxtaposed with the, <laughs> the respect for authority in Japan, I think. Oh, that's, right. Yeah. It's like, well, she's the authority in the room and I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to participate. I'm going to do, you know, what she says. So, um, so they would do it. And actually it was such a fun and charming experience to see, to see the way we kind of broke those kind of cultural divides. And, uh, and I, you know, I would get my, the first time I ever did the show, it was, there was a young Japanese man named Yasuchi who uh, washed my hair and he was funny because he was nervous and his friends were in the room with him and they were like, you know, okay, do it, like do it. And uh, so he, he stood up and he rolled his sleeves back <laughs> and he like gave me a amazing head massage when he was like washing my hair like it was incredible I was like this is the best idea I've ever had writing this show <laughs> um, you know and so it was it was really fun to kind of break I mean he and I would have in in the world in our lives as friends and now we're friends we're on Facebook you know we never would have had that kind of 
close interaction. But now, uh, but we have because of this piece and perhaps, and I mean, it was, I saw in the moment that that was new for him and strange for him, you know, and it was for me too. And so then you're in that weird moment together and it's, it's awkward and it's funny and it's kind and it's gentle. And it's all these things um, together that make it something that I think is really memorable and really special that you can do in an, in a, that I think immersive theater is, is, is really capable of is creating that kind of human experience that you just, that you would never have in your lives together (laughs) otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, I'm curious, um, is there anything that, or any stories that come to mind, um, in so far as like times where you've seen a particular audience or guest, um, like have like a particularly impactful experience, um, or unexpected experience, uh, within the space of the show? Absolutely. And, you know, I don't, I don't like to share too much because I, it's, it's people's, it's very personal, the, um, the, the performance. Oh yeah. That's entirely fair. You know what I mean? What happened, but I can sort of do some, a general wash. I mean, there has been, uh, it it really depends on the group, right? Like what gets discussed and what happens. But sometimes it's it's an extremely, I mean, even last night, okay, here in Chicago, um, we were talking about uh, body trauma and body dysmorphia and and all and this whole gamut of things. And there was this one woman who was talking about uh, she so she'd lost um, she lost a lot of weight, right? Like in her life, she's lost a lot of weight, and she said that when she was heavier, um, she felt it, she, she, she felt sort of belittled and, 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 and like she was only, she was seen in a very particular way, um, that made her feel small. And so she was this like small person in this like larger body. And she talked about transitioning from, you know, the body that she lives in now, which is different from the one before and all the, and that emotional palette that that's brought her through. And this is all last night. And she, and she said, uh, and she was, and she spoke really beautifully about this. And there was another person who had been through a very similar journey who she did not know, who said, who was really like, he, he was in there like, mm-hmm, yes, yes, I know that I've had that. And then she stopped and she looked around in this room. It was six of us or seven, I guess, including me. And she looked around the room and she was, and she said, I have never said that out loud. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, was wonderful because we were all in this space of, of talking about uh, uh, some personal, really personal things and to be able to hear her and have her vocalize that, you know, who knows how transformative that is um, for her, but it could be extremely transformative for someone else to empathize with that person. Maybe they've never had that kind of body out of body experience. Maybe they've, they've never had that particular dysmorphia, but there are people in the room who have uh, a gender dysmorphia and who have had um, injuries that have changed their bodies forever. Right. And so we all have these different things that we've been through and when we can hear it through someone else from some other place, then that is, I think, not only illuminating, but uh, I think that it is, it's providing some connective tissue for us to be recognized by each other. 
Um, I know certainly for me, I feel like I learn something every night that I do the show because I get the privilege of hearing these very personal stories from folks who are finding a way to be comfortable to talk about it in a, in a small room of people. And I think that that is for me one way to, um, to walk down the path of, of healing. And I think that is what this is all about. It's empathy and understanding and the unabashed delight of discovering something in another person or even yourself that a few hours earlier, you might not have been able to conceptualize. And hey, the other half of this conversation is just as extraordinary, but we're saving that for a rainy day, so keep an eye out. For the moment, if you enjoyed this episode, please help us grow this community. Help us enable others to have these kinds of experiences. Drop us a review wherever you're listening to let others know that this is worth checking out. Or if you're feeling real zesty, tell someone about this great podcast you discovered. We appreciate it. But the person who discovers an entire constellation of worlds to step into because of you will appreciate it so much more. And as always, show notes and links from this episode can be found on ImmersionNation.com slash podcast. And until next time, thank you for joining us in this adventure.